0: actually been with us for several generations now. You can go to the Millennials, to Gen Z and Gen X and follow those things that I'm not going to pretend to understand. And it's become more and more woven into the mythos of modern culture. Don't judge me. The simple phrase is so loaded with meaning and connotation. It's expressed in numerous ways. You see up there in the center the simple statement. It is our endeavor this evening to debunk that myth and then to help Christians to focus in a world that has that, often it's just an unchecked assumption that people carry around with them and it can be weaponized against us. Don't judge me, you don't know the truth. And you see these different phrases that we put up there on the screen that all are just a different way of reflecting the same truth. It is wrong to judge. We shouldn't judge. It is unloving to judge. That whole cluster of thoughts we're putting under consideration. You remember Sunday evenings we're taking these cultural myths We're taking these cultural lies. The fact is, they're heresies. And they're not only in the world, they're in the church. And on these Sunday evenings, as we're going through them, you see a myth... They're the beliefs by which we structure our universe. That's a classical definition, go way back to John Campbell in mythology. It's not the beliefs by which we understand our universe, it's more than that, by which we structure our universe. And a mythos is when you have different of those beliefs woven together. That's what we're exposing and they overlap. The don't judge me, you don't know the truth goes back to Pastor Carpenter. And that uh, individual, expressive individualism. Don't judge me. You don't know my truth. And the truth that's inside of me is the most important thing there is and the highest definition of truth. That's a myth and that's a lie. And so you put that together. You can't judge me. You don't know my truth. Similarly, you don't know my experience. Don't judge my choices if you don't understand my reasons. Don't judge me. Just love me. Remember Pastor Lardy? Love is love. That slogan, that phrase that encapsulates that body of thinking, the highest ideal is to love. And whatever kind of love it is, as long as it's love, it's virtuous in and of that. So if it's same-sex Love or some aberrant form of love that we, as Bible-believing Christians, would call aberrant. Don't you call it aberrant. You're being judgmental. Love is love. Don't judge me. Just love me. And sometimes they're even snarkier than that. Don't judge me, and I don't care if you love me. And so there are a lot of these and you hear them and they're in the fabric. I don't care about people who judge me. I'm just going to do whatever makes me happy in life. Right, Pastor Edwards, last week, the most important thing is that you're happy. It's a lie. It's a myth and they're all woven together and We have to identify as many of them as possible. The thing about it is, a lot of times these lies, like the devil always presents lies, are sugar-coated with truth or connected in some way to truth. And the Bible says, don't judge. Well, that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Lots of them. Judging is wrong. Christians shouldn't judge. Don't you know it's unloving to judge people? Christians are such hypocrites going around and judging everyone. They're so judgmental. You're so judgmental. And then the one I saved for last, I like it because the colors are kind of our faith colors. Only God can judge me. Looks like our welcome packet with those colors when I saw it. Maybe we'll substitute that and see what we get. Only God can judge me. I guess you say the name Lasane Parish Crooks. That was his name when he was born, but he changed it to Tupac Amaru Shakur later in life. He's widely considered the most influential rapper of all times. Rolling Stone ranked him among the hundred greatest musicians of all times. He sold over 75 million albums. I guess they still said it that way back in the 90s. I don't know. His music expressed the inner city turmoil and the problems that plagued the day. In 1995, he spent five months in prison. On September 7, 1996, he was shot five times in a drive-by shooting and would die six days later. Exactly seven months before he died, one of his most famous songs was released, Only God Can Judge Me. I've read some that said he coined the phrase. I'm not sure about that. He certainly injected it into the culture with it. Only God can judge me. Is that right? Only God can judge me now. Only God, baby. Nobody else. Nobody else. All you other expletives. Get out my business. Only God can judge me now. Perhaps I was blind to the fact. Stabbed in the back. I couldn't trust my own homies. Just a bunch of dirty rats. Will I succeed? Paranoid from the weed. I could go on and on. And this song it comes back to the refrain repeatedly. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. Only God. That's right, baby. Yeah, baby. Only God can judge me. And at 25 years of age, he died and met the only one who can judge him. This thought that's out in the culture is Something that we must be articulate about. We must be able to identify it. And we must navigate in a world as Christians being ready always to give a reason for the hope that's in us. To be sharing the gospel in a world with a mythos with all these things together. And so that is what we're looking now. Before we delve into the topic tonight, we had one of our small group members, Alan Bush, out on the street, well, not really on the street, in the mall and at a high school, trying to get some people to share what they thought about judging and Christian judgments and things like that. So let's watch that and get a little more information. Afterwards, Mike will come and lead us in another in a scripture reading and another song before we continue.
1: One scripture cited for judging or not judging is in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6, and we're going to read that now. Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, you measure, and for, for I'm sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you.
0: Appreciate that people out at the mall and there at that West Windsor High School or wherever that was, I appreciate that they would take time and be willing to be filmed that way. I appreciate what Alan did with it because you just saw clips of that that were condensed. He was using that to lead into discussions of God and judgment and to evangelize. So there was a lot more to it. But just those little clips kind of tell us a whole lot about how People in society, people in the world, think about judgment. They know that everyone judges, but you shouldn't judge. And what's the basis of the judgment? Well, I base the judgment on my standards. And you have a lot of different thoughts. And what you didn't hear is things that are rooted in the scriptures. Are we to judge? Is it wrong to judge? If we do judge, what should we judge? All those kind of questions are things we should look at, but we do want to debunk the myth. We want to make it very clear that that is a lie. In fact, it's a heresy if it's in the church and we adopt that principle. And I will tell you, much harm comes from that. Part of the reason why so many hurl the accusation at the church about judgment is because we have judged wrongly. We have judged in the church, I'm kind of speaking in in a broad sense, but we have. We focused on externals and made judgments about it. We did the kind of judging that is condemned in the scriptures, hypocritical judging, and kind of have fed others and helped even weaponize them. So it's not only important for us tonight to say, I want to recognize the lie that is there that is weaponized against me when I want to make a a, a moral objection, if I want to influence policy, if I want to deal with someone who is in sin and trying to cause me to endorse it? All those kind of things. I want to know about it. So two things that we can look at tonight to just make it clear. Two ways that I know that the judge not myth is absolutely false. One is the simple definition of the word. And then the other would be the clear commands in scripture to judge. Someone says, well, no, no, the Bible says judge not. And they stop at those two words. R.C. Sprouls said that's probably, for for pagans, that's the best known verse in the Bible, more so than John 3.16. Judge not without the context. And yet the scriptures are very clear that we are indeed to judge, but specifically. So looking at the meaning of the word, krino, to approve, esteem, or prefer, Don't you do that. It makes no sense. Of course, we are going to have preferences. Of course, there are going to be things that we approve of and things that we esteem to determine or resolve or decree. Well, could you imagine living in a world where we wouldn't resolve to do anything or determine to do anything? Because that's a judgment call. To pronounce an opinion concerning right and wrong. And this is number three, right in the heart of the five definitions. And it's at the heart of what's under attack. You cannot tell me what I'm doing is wrong. You cannot pronounce that wrong, that lifestyle, or whatever. You're judging. Don't judge. Don't pronounce your opinion on those things, you bigot. That's the assault against the church. But we are to be salt of preserving agency and light in this world. It's who we are. To pronounce judgment, to subject to censure, and to preside over with power of giving judicial sentences. So to have a world that operated with an understanding that we are not to judge ever, anywhere, anyhow, is patently absurd. And so therefore, it causes us to look into the scriptures and to say, okay, in what way are we supposed to judge? What kind of things are we to judge? I don't say to you tonight, don't judge me. I say to you, judge me. I need godly Christian people who would judge me. I say on behalf of all of the pastors, judge us. When we stand to preach and we speak God's word, you judge it. I don't judge the performance. That's not what. We're, don't put a ten. <laughs> oh, it's him. A three point five. That's not what we're talking about. But the, they were more noble in Berea than those in Thessalonica, in that they searched the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul was saying was true or not. You, we are to to judge that. How can we recognize a false prophet if we don't judge? So the first thing is the definition. It's absurd to say, Jesus said judge not, and that means we must never judge. It's also the scriptures are clear all over the place. John chapter 7, verse 24, judge not according to appearance. So superficial, shallow judgment, we're not to do. We're not to judge just on externals. But then that verse goes on to say, but judge righteous judgment, or judge, correct judgment, use right judgment, we are indeed to judge. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6, and I jump to 11 to 13. That's that chapter on church discipline. You know how they said it in the old time churches, oh, he got in bad trouble, he was churched. When someone went through church discipline because they got involved in some type of sin, of such an egregious nature, that there was church discipline. First Corinthians, it is reported commonly that there's fornication among you, and such as is not named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife, and you're puffed up and have not rather mourned, but he that hath done this deed might be taken away from you. For I, verse three, Paul says, if you take the grammar. And you get to the main thought, I have judged already. Well, he's either in total violation of the judge not, or we need to understand judge not better in that context. And he goes on and says, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered, I picked up in the middle of the sentence, and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of his flesh, that the spirit might be saved by the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your glorying is not good. Don't you not that a little leaven at the whole lump? You at Corinth, a church that has all kinds of problems everywhere, one of the problems you have is you're not judging correctly things and people who are among you, and you're bringing sin into the body. It is just absurd to think that that judge-not philosophy can even be connected to truth. It's actually the opposite of what is true in the Scriptures. He goes on in that passage later and says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, a covetous, an idolater, a railer, a drunkard, an extortioner, with such a one don't eat. Make a judgment call and... Distance yourself, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? Church, do you not make judgments? You know, the great thing about a church where you have d-groups and small groups and you have people interacting and forming close relationships is we create the opportunity to have people to whom we could be accountable. People who I would want them to judge me, not hypocritically, not in some wrong way. But when you see me getting off course, would you love me enough to put your arm around me? Would you love me enough to start praying for me? And with me and reaching out. And sometimes those conversations are hard and they're awkward. But when, they're, when you're speaking the truth in love and it's in a basis of a relationship, it's a great thing. But we could fall into the thinking of the world of, you know, we don't want to step on anyone's toes or make anyone uncomfortable. Don't judge. I don't want to be judgmental. It's not my business. But the body gets stronger, Not weaker. When we judge with righteous judgment, when we judge with correct judgment. If you go into the next chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, again, we're told it is our duty as Christians to judge. Dare any of you having a matter against another? I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting from the beginning. Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? I can just go on, but don't we get the point? The scriptures make it very clear that part of being a Christ follower, part of being a disciple is to make judgments about many things. And God help us to communicate such things. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. It is my heart's desire for every one of us, every member of Faith Baptist Church, Every believer who's growing in Christ. Becoming more and more spiritual. To not only reject the myth of don't judge, but to acquire the skill of being able to judge properly. Remember a couple months ago, Pastor Walker showed one of those videos and it was that guy with a very annoyingly nasal voice. And really weird idiosyncrasy. It was called Wretched Radio, and he kind of forewarned you the same way I am right now, because I got one of those same videos. Let's listen to him dismantle the myth a little bit further, because he's going to put things in context and do that kind of thing. Uh, Let's see what we get out of this way, but I don't believe I could pull it off. But what about these other verses, not just Judge Not verses? The verses that people who will come at you when you hold to the position that, no, it is not wrong to judge, they're in the Bible, and people will use them. Often people in the church, again, speaking at large, will use these passages and verses to excuse unbiblical practices. I'm not talking about preferences and that stuff. I'm talking about when there is something that's clearly prohibited in the scriptures, and yet another group may choose to do that. Well, in our church, we have male pastors and female pastors. Don't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge. The Bible says, I have liberty. And so we need to go to those passages and become familiar. Don't let someone take Romans chapter 14 and abuse that text, that great stumbling block principle, where they were talking about observing of holy days and what you would eat. And the Apostle Paul was instructing them there. Him that is weak in the faith, receive him, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak, eat herbs, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? And it goes on. See, the Bible says you shouldn't be judging somebody else. The matters under consideration are something that were in the law, but they were not in the age of grace. They were not dealt with there. And so it was a matter of preference. It was a matter of choice. It's what we call liberty. And so someone could have liberty to just be vegan. It would be okay if a vegan came in and dwelt among us. We shouldn't be like, oh, he's a liberal, that vegan. If someone was, You can be a Christian vegan. They have liberty. And so this great passage, and it would be good if we had more time to dig into it, is something that helps us a lot to have balance. We need it on both sides. We need to know that there is such a thing as liberty. And some churches may want to do something that another church may say, we don't do that. If it's not dealt with directly in scriptures and prohibited, or there isn't clear principle upon which not to do something from the scriptures, someone has liberty. It's not license. It's not like I go to Romans chapter 14 and that tells me that I have liberty because I'm free in Christ. It's not liberty to disregard the clear commands of scriptures. And yet often people's desire to be disobedient to the word of God is cloaked under this. And you have no right to judge me. Well, we absolutely do. How about James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12? That seems awfully clear. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgest his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? See, it's clear James was saying not to judge context. James was speaking about evil speaking. And so if we're judging people and we're doing it by evil speaking and gossiping about them and backbiting and that's not right judgment. Uh, That's not correct judgment. That's what's being dealt with here. Uh, That's uh, the whole point. Proper judgment is never evil. A passion for truth and righteousness is not evil. Slanderous, gossipy judgment is both sinful and unscriptural. When we judge sin and error scripturally and spiritually, it is never with a desire to hurt people. But let's not abuse a text to use it to excuse sin and to promote licentiousness. James is speaking of judging others in a way that is contrary to the law. And when we do that, we're judging both the law giver and the law of receiver. What am I talking about? When we take our own human standards and we create these constructs to be the five-star Christian, you must do this, 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 and this, and we get away from the scriptures and we get hung up on exactly what you can wear and what you can't wear and what you can listen to and can't listen to, we know there are certain certainly things that we shouldn't wear in the scriptures, but when we get hung up on Making all our own human standards. Did you catch the one guy on the video, What is the Basement of Judgment? Well, I have my standards and I kind of just try to judge based on those standards. No, we have a standard. It's right here. And when I decide to elevate my human traditions or my human standards in place of, in addition to what's here, I'm judging the lawgiver. I'm saying, God, your commandments were not enough. I need to add more of them and impose that on other people. So I end up judging both. That's a bad place to be, church. Can I just tell you that? You don't want to be in that place where you're judging the lawgiver and you're judging the one receiving it on that end. But please don't take the verse, the passage, and abuse it for that part. So knowing that it is not wrong to judge, and in fact, we are to judge. Let us let me just put a few things here as we get into the last part of this message. How ought we to judge? Going back to Matthew chapter 7 and looking at verses 1 to 5, let's start to consider that. Judge not, First two words, the words that are often quoted, the words that are misused and abused, let's us use them properly. As we come into this passage, we know the larger context. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Time doesn't allow me to say some of the things about it, but we know enough where we are in the Sermon on the Mount. Many other things have already been addressed, and now we come to this, judge not that ye be not judged. The first thing I want to say is, Do not judge hastily. And then we're going to look after that. Do not judge harshly. Do not judge hypocritically. You can take those three out of this text with the main emphasis being the third one. Do not judge hypocritically. But let's start with do not judge hastily. Hasty judgments will destroy your testimony. It will bring harm to you and to others. We live in a culture that already despises judgment. Let's not give them more ammunition by being people who are quick to judge, to make snap judgments about all kinds of things. You don't need a stated opinion on everything. And you need a considered opinion. It's kind of not fair to go out on the street and say, what do you think of judging? And put your little camera up while they speak into it. And someone's speaking off the top of their head. But we ought to have reflected about this and thought about it. It's, it's biblical truth. And to say one thing, I know this. I'm not going to be one who judges hastily. Who gets into making quick judgments. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly... And shame to him. One more video clip and then we'll just be in the scriptures. Here's something that might help you not to make hasty judgments. That was a little commercial break. We're done. I don't know anything about AmeriQuest Mortgage. I do not endorse them. But I thought those commercials were just a riot. And in a very light-hearted way, they remind us of a good biblical truth. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, David was hasty to make judgment. He had sinned in pretty much the most profound way you can imagine. Uriah, Bathsheba, you know the background. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David starting from the beginning of 2 Samuel chapter 12. And he came unto him and said to him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished up, and it grew together with him and his children. It did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom, and was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and the rich man spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. That was very hasty judgment, because the next thing Nathan said is, thou art the man. Hasty judgment. Christians, we need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. And by speak, I also mean... Amen? Just shooting off our opinions about this and that and jumping into something and someone has a different view than you have on politics or this or that and because you're behind a screen or at a keyboard and you could just say things back and this and that, that has no place for people who are to exercise discernment. That doesn't mean we don't engage in the world and state positions and object to things that are morally reprehensible, but we just don't jump without thinking. Don't judge hastily if it's just a cute, silly little commercial that reminds us of that. Or how about so much more profoundly? David jumped up in haste as soon as he heard it, not reflecting one bit on that story he had just heard. And in doing so, his hasty judgment brought harm upon himself. He judged himself in that matter. Let it not be us. <clears throat> Number two, as I look at this passage, because it says, judge not, slow down, judge not, that ye be not judged. And then don't judge harshly. Some of the bitterest Arguments, conflicts can happen in the church. Am I not right? Have we not been around church long enough to see how judgmental in the negative sense of the word and harsh we can be? Let it not be so, church we're not only to be reaching out to the world, but we're to be building one another up. And so we don't want to be known for harsh judgments. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. 1993, Emmy had 18-month-old twins and a newborn son. And I forgot to register the car. And she was the one driving it and got the ticket. She had a right to judge me. I was supposed to have taken care of that. She was upset by that, because Emmy's a very law-abiding citizen. I said, don't worry, dear. It's just a fine. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. I'll take the ticket. It's just nothing. It's just a payment. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. Well, I thought you registered. I got the ticket. But I was really busy that time. I was a director of Catholic school system and had two accreditations at the boys' high school and the girls' high school and a team visiting and this and that. Don't worry, I'll take care of it. I didn't. And then I remembered it after the visiting accreditation team left and went home and I remembered it. Yeah, it's, oh I put it in the glove compartment. Let me get it now and go pay it. And I went down to the police station to the lady at the window, brought it with my money to pay the fine and she said, you can't just pay the fine you're overdue. We have to issue a warrant. And Emiliana Savalli you're not Emiliana, has to appear before the judge. Oh, my. Please, Lord, let it be Judge Ward. Please, Lord, let it be Judge Ward. Please, Lord, let it be Judge Ward. I, I had his kid in my school, and he's a really nice man. Please, Lord, don't let it be Judge Malaitasi. But the judge is in court right now, and I tell you what, I'll help you. I'll put you on the docket, and you can go right in, Judge Milaitasi. <laughs> I knew him because he was from our village, and he was a harsh judge. Nobody wanted to be before Judge Milaitasi. And there I was, the last one, as he was going through people and ripping them apart. And he got to the last one, Emiliana Savalli, Emiliana Savalli. And I stood up. He said, you're not Emiliana, Your Honor, Your Honor, please, if I may just explain. I, I can't talk to you. It must be Emiliano. Oh, please, Your Honor, if you would understand, it was my fault, and I was supposed to pay the ticket, and I forgot, and I'm here. We plead guilty. You can't plead guilty for her. Please, please, Your Honor, I plead the mercy of the court. Mr. Savali, he knew who I was. Mr. Savali, what does that mean? I don't know, sir, but I heard it on TV. <laughs> And he said, get out of my courtroom and go pay that fine. (laughs) As harsh as he was, he let me just go pay the fine. And I went home and told Emmy nothing. (laughs) But I have told the story before, so she's not just getting a surprise all these years later. The other thing that David did, he not only judged rashly, hastily, He judged harshly. He shall surely die for taking that lamb. You shall surely die, or you should surely die, for taking the life of Uriah and for taking his wife and all the other chicanery that went on in that. But he judged hastily and he judged harshly. How about us? Boy, isn't it easier to rip someone else apart rather than ourselves? We can get on a real high horse. And so they who are without look in and say, they're so judgmental. That's why I don't go to church. What if God's family was filled with people who don't judge hastily, but judge righteous, righteous judgment, who judge correctly, and who don't judge harshly, but judge compassionately, uh, know how to judge mercifully. Uh, that doesn't mean no more consequences to anything and we'll never discipline someone in a church or never deal with sin. That's not what we're talking about. But you could even take somebody who is in the depth of sin and they may not be ready to hear a word you have to say. They may just willfully want to stay in their sin but you can lovingly deal with that person. You don't have to be drawn into that. And they could be ugly about it. We've all had that. We've had someone that we've tried to help and you may be getting right to the heart of an addiction they have and people who are, have addiction are going to guard that addiction with every defense mechanism they can keep you at a distance say things tear you down in uh, and the, and the next minute kind of side up to you. They'll try many different things but if we would just judge mercifully and compassionately we could heap coals Upon their head, as the Bible said. Let us function in this world, because it's not hard to debunk the myth. We did that, well, the context guy did that in three minutes. But for us to be able to make a difference in a world whose mythos ties that in with so many other things, let us become the best judges there are. Because some people get a bum judge. And other people go and are heard before a judge who judges righteously. How about us? And then the last one, which really is the biggest one, don't judge hypocritically. That's the heart of what Jesus is talking about in the passage. Those other things are there and you could draw them out of the text, but this is the heart. In fact, it's all throughout the book of Matthew. I have verses after verses after verses. I remember last week, Pastor Ray, Pastor Edwards, was hitting one verse after another, after another, after another. I was about to do the machine gun thing too, but they're on the paper. Just follow the word hypocrite and do a search and see how often they deal with it. See, in the previous chapter, also in that same Sermon on the Mount, therefore, when thou doest thine alms... Do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. Christ followers, believers, here are the divine rules. Here are the divine principles by which to live. And the Sermon on the Mount is loaded with him. And over and over it said, Don't do like the hypocrites. Don't give like the hypocrites. Don't pray 6-5-5 as the hypocrites. When you fast, don't fast the way the hypocrites do. And don't judge the way the hypocrites do. Could you imagine me going to Bob Dunn as he picks up hi Bob, as he picks up a second donut and starts eating that thing, frosting and all Boston eclair with a stuff inside. And I'll tell you that, Bob, he's really letting himself go. Can you believe the way he eats? Church, if I got a giant sequoia sticking out of my eye, I don't think I have to worry about the sawdust of Mr. Svelte back there having a second donut. Amen? I mean, if we would not judge hypocritically, to be judging others and not ourselves, Oh, spouses, if we could do that when conflicts arise between us. Relationships, in dealing with people, not judging hypocritically, or without saying to your brother, let me pull the moat out of your eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Can you see the heart of David's case? I was sitting around with the pastors. We stepped out of a meeting and we had a—we thought it would be about five minutes. It ended up being about 30, but that was okay. And so I just threw it out there. Can you think of a, an instance in the scriptures where someone judged hastily and they were popping all these things out? And then, thank you, Pastor Crompton, brought up this one. And I got digging in. Boy, isn't this perfect. He judged hastily. He judged harshly. And did he ever judge hypocritically? That person of privilege and status, stole their one ewe lamb when he had many to choose from? Boy, that was one major sequoia sticking out of his eye when he roused up in anger and pronounced judgment. That man shall surely die. Wow. How about us? If we would cultivate these principles of judging others, I think it just equips us a little bit better to deal in a world that is already hostile against any kind of judgment. If we can be articulate about why the Bible does not say we are not to judge anytime, anywhere, any person, and then to cultivate in ourselves these habits that could make us good judges. I think we'd be doing more than just debunking the myth. I think we'd be equipping ourselves to function in such a world as we find ourselves in right now. Let's pray, and I'll turn it over to to Mike to close in song and dismiss us. Father, we do thank you for your word. Let me not preach it without living. It helped me to be the kind of judge, discerning person that we spoke of tonight. Let us be united in that idea. Let us learn to be discerning, to be engaging in a world that is increasingly hostile toward everything your word says, but to do so in such a way that we can make a difference. And we'll certainly give you the glory as you do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.